Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Episode 34 is underway. I'm Steve Coolies, of course. That's Mr. Craig Button. And for those of you watching on our socials, you can see that we're each sporting some memorabilia. Craig, Minnesota North Stars CCM shirt. Who gave you that one, my friend? Who gave you that one? I worked for the Minnesota North Stars. What do you mean, who gave me it? I mean, I got all kinds of Minnesota North Stars paraphernalia, memorabilia, Dallas Stars stuff. I don't wear it regularly, but I figured, hey, why not uh, Why not go throwback Thursday, TBT? It's a nice T-shirt. It's a very, I, I miss their sweaters. I miss the Met Center. They blew it up real good. Eh? They, when they finished that, they blew it. They, they blew that sucker up. I don't know what it is right now. It was a parking lot or something, but they blew that sucker up real good. I saw the video. Mall of America, baby. It's all, it's all part of that whole <laughs> Mall of America development. Who knows what it is, but it's gone. Oh, there was just some exciting times in there. I remember the 91 Stanley Cup playoffs. Wow, was that unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs in May, you know, where it's warm weather in a, in a hockey city, and Minnesota is a hockey uh, state and city, unbelievable uh, people coming out and just having a great time. Yeah, Penguins in six, though. Uh, I'm wearing the Brooklyn Barley shirt designed by our buddy John Beam. The center of the logo is a frosty, ice-cold beer. We're having our annual Brooklyn Barley's inter-squad tournament outside on the 40 by 80 Saturday. Should be a nice minus 15. We practiced on Monday nights. It was minus 20, my friend, and I was a young Lala Fontaine with all the moves, and I won't lie to you. We want to win the tournament. What do we get for winning the tournament? Nothing. Bragging rights, my friend. We love it as old-timers. We don't say that phrase anymore, old-timers. We love being on the ice and playing hockey. That's good. Don't complain about the cold. Don't okay. complain about the cold. Seriously, like really get out there and enjoy. Hopefully it's a sunny day. So the sun will warm you, right? Just, just the spirit of hockey outdoors on the natural ice. Come on. That's what warms the soul, isn't it? Yes. Yes. You're right. Don't, nobody wants to hear anybody whining about anything specifically about the cold. Speaking of the cold, you know, where it's really cold right now. You know where it is Siberia cold in the NHL? <laughs> Guess. I think I know where you're going. <laughs> Say it. Say it. It is no, the city of brotherly love. <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, boy. Like, they're a disaster. That's all. That's the, only, that's the only word that comes to mind. They're a disaster. Steve, think about this. Think about all the moves they made in the offseason. They're worse this year than they were last year. I'll tell you what, like, and, and you know, somebody says, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's no light at the end of that tunnel. That needs a, a massive rebuild, a massive remake. I, Dave Scott, who who heads up uh, the, the whole thing for the price, said, oh, no, we're not looking at a three, four year. Well, what are you looking at then? You think this is going to get fixed next week? And I'll tell you what, Chuck Fletcher's done a really poor job with that, with that team. Really, he, the manager's responsible for the construction of the team. And uh, he, they got all the resources in Philadelphia. They got all the wherewithal to, to push. Chuck Fletcher has done a really poor job constructing this lineup. When they, in the, I guess we're going back 15 years ago, were able to get Jeff Carter, who's just re-upped in Pittsburgh and what a career he's had, the longevity, and Mike Richards, you know, I guess that was 03, right? When they were that able to step. The, that was yeah. the 03 draft. 
the infamous draft where a lot of teams, I mean, Anaheim won the cup of the draft. They got Perry and Getzlaff in the same draft. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we can go back and talk about that draft. It's just so much fun to talk about, except for Hugh Jessamine and the New York Rangers. But anyway, so I look at the Flyers and think, you know, that was a springboard to get to the final in 2010. Uh, they didn't win it, but at least uh, they gave themselves a chance. So Chuck Fletcher, now he's going to probably say Ryan Ellis, well, he's been hurt all year. And Kevin Hayes has been up and down. So is it Rasmus? Ristolainen, Hayes, Carter Hart, Van Riemsdyk, no Giroux. And then what? They're going to sign Nazem Kadri in the offseason. Some teams were led to believe can never rebuild, can never go down and kind of give it all away. Are, are the Flyers one of those franchises that either refuse to or believe for their season ticket holders they can't lose for a while? Like what you're saying is tear it down. Like it's, it's, it's broken. Tear it yes. down. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm not saying tear it down. I'm saying that the current manager has done a real poor job of constructing a competitive team. So like, you know what, like through his construction, he, 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 he's tearing it down. That's a, that's a bad team. They're a bad team. Carter Hart. I mean, like what's happened to Carter Hart? Carter Hart has talent. It has ability. What's happened to Carter Hart? The blue line. I mean, the blue line, I mean, they drafted Travis Sanheim. They drafted Ivan Provorov. Good defenseman. I mean, the building out of that, like, you know, you look up front. I mean, they drafted Claude Giroux a long time ago. You talk about drafting Richardson and Carter. You know, when you look at a team, tell me this. Just tell me this. What are the Philadelphia Flyers? What are they? Are they skilled? Are they fast? Are they heavy? Are they defensive? Are they resilient? What are, they're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. I'll tell you what Bob Clark said to us when he came to Minnesota as our general manager in 1990. He said, let me just say this. He goes, you know what the Minnesota North Stars have been since they came into this league? A game on the schedule. That's all they've been. And whether they were playing on the road, it was, ah, the Minnesota North Stars. Ah, when you're coming into Minnesota, ah, this will be a fun night. We're playing the Minnesota North Stars. You know what, Bob Clark? Your Philadelphia Flyers are just another team on the schedule. They're just another game on the schedule. Nobody, who cares what they did in 1974 and 75? Who cares? They're just another team in a league, and they're a bad team. They're a bad team with no identity and no definition. Quite frankly, you know what? I say it really straight. The, the, the coach wasn't very good at Lambigno, and guess what? Now who built the team? Oh, yeah, that's the manager. Who's accountable? The manager. So if you believe in the manager, you better fix it. And if you don't believe in the manager, get a manager who you think can fix it. Well, they believe in him. He addressed the media on Wednesday, Wayne Gretzky's birthday, and says he's got a blank check. So it just feels it's going to be another go with a lot of this core and another shot at some tweaking. And I, I mentioned Nazem Kadri. If they're going to sign him, use Claude Giroux's 8.25 if he ends up leaving. I don't know if he goes somewhere, comes back at a hometown discount. It, it's I like what you said, and it's funny because we have tie-in with Bob Clark and what he said about Ron Hextall. Going into Philadelphia, remember, you know, the good old days, the Philly flu, or even in the modern era, you had to go into the Legion of Doom. You know, you had to go in to see Carter and Richards and a whole bunch of pronger. Not, not anymore. Like the Flyers are now, and they're an easy. You know when people say there's no easy games? Want to make a bet? There's easy games. Did you see Minnesota against Montreal the other night? That was an easy game. We had Nico Sturm on. He's like, hmm. Yeah, I had three points. I guess it was kind of an easy game. There, there are easy games. Look at the disparity. So, and the Flyers have turned into, wow, like going in there. Oh, it's guaranteed point night. Flyers are coming on the road. Their, their fan base isn't traveling now because they know what it is. And 
I don't see a, you say a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't know waving Harry Potter's magic wand next year is going to change, you know, health matters. Yes. Ryan Ellis would help. And Kevin Hayes would help. I don't know if they would help enough to say that they're top four in the Metro anyway, Craig. No, they, they aren't. They are. Come on. Let's get, let's not get it. Did they make the playoffs last year? They made all the changes last year. Let me just tell you something, Steve. I don't see light at the end of the tunnel for the Philadelphia Flyers. I want to be clear on that. And number two, what, what a blank check is your, is your, is your escape. No, 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 no. It's not about a blank check. It's not about, because number one, you have a salary cap. So it's not just about, okay, we can spend $150 million and just go acquire this player, that player, and that player. It, 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 it requires some roster manipulation and roster construction that has been massively lacking. They found themselves in this position, not because they won't spend, not because they don't have the financial wherewithal or the resources. It's because the roster construction and manipulation has been an abject failure. At least the Arizona Coyotes have said, this is what we're going to be, and this is how we're going to proceed. The Philadelphia Flyers have tried to win. <laughs> abject failure. That's what it's been. What so, happened? I don't care. I don't care what Chuck Fletcher said. Oh, I got a blank check. A blank check. Guess what, Mr. Fletcher? A blank check ain't getting you out of this. Well, the cap's not a hundred million and you can go say, I got 20 more million to spend and bring in two or three or four players. So Claude Giroux, how does it play out? What happens? Will he, will he pick a team as a manager? If he says, yeah, I got full, no move. I pick Colorado. Chuck Fletcher says, Oh my God, there's a third round pick then as a, po- you know what I mean? Like there's yet no leverage to be able to say, I got five teams. I'm going to, okay, he'll go here. He'll go here. He'll go here. Um, would you want him if you're one of the big boy contenders? And how do you think Claude Giroux's situation will play out in Philly? Here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go right back to the Jerome McGinley trade to the Pittsburgh Penguins back almost 10 years ago. Yeah. And Jerome had, uh, I think he had three or four teams that he said he would uh, on his list, but he, but he also had the, uh, the ability to say no. So Calgary Flames thought they had a deal worked out with the Boston Bruins. And then Jerome said, no, I don't want to go to Boston. I'm going to Pittsburgh. I want to go to Pittsburgh. I want to play. I want to play with Sidney Crosby. That's where I want to go. Go back and look at the deal. Go back and look at what the Calgary Flames got for uh, Jerome McGinley. That's exactly where Claude Giroux is at. And I think Claude Giroux should do exactly what Jerome McGinley did. Get out of Philadelphia. Get out of there. Go. He's a competitor. He, he hasn't had the opportunity to have success and compete when it matters. He hasn't. Get out of there, Claude. Do the do the drill, McGinley, and pick your spot. Pick your spot. I would as well. Uh, a CBA issue because fans are wondering. Philly can take half legally, so let's just say eight becomes four, um, and we're three quarters of the season, so that knocks off three of the four. Does that make it doable, or do you have to go through Ottawa, like Philly to Ottawa, Ottawa to Vegas, Colorado, the Florida teams? You know, is that how it has to work in terms of the, the math? Fans always kind of ask, and it's uh, it's not easy to uh, play capologist uh, when you're trading an $8.25 million player. Well, what I'll try to do is just keep it just really at a simple level. Yeah, he, He's at $8.25 million, right? So ostensibly, what you got to do is, is you got to find room, whether it be three quarters of the season or halfway through the season or whatever it is, you got to find room for $8.25 million, whatever, whatever the calculations are, that's how you got to do it. Right. So whoever's interested or wherever Claude feels that he wants to go and try and, 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 and be traded to that team now has to look and go, okay, how can we manipulate this? 
Maybe they can do it straight up. Maybe they can't. Maybe they got to go through a third party. I, I don't know. I haven't done all this. I haven't done all the combinations of permutations. Bottom line is you got to make room for $8.25 million. Whatever the calculation is, wherever you're at in the season, it's still $8.25 million. Ostensibly, you got to find room for under cap. Claude Giroux, we like to think eventually the number 28 will be up in the rafters in Philadelphia. We're a long ways until that, but uh, we've got two sweater retirings on the way. Let's talk with Hen talk about Henrik Lundqvist. Um, where is he? We try to, you know, categorize goalies. And sometimes when you do, if, if you don't put him in the top five, then it's almost like he's got to be in the top five. Then if you don't win a cup, you win Olympic gold sometime, you know, this is the game that fans play, especially fans who aren't a Ranger fan or aren't a Swedish fan. They kind of say he's not top 10. Somebody will say he's not better than Mike Richter because Richter won a cup. Okay. Richter's team was way better, way stacked. So let's go back to the beginning of Henrik Lundqvist when he was drafted. We didn't know about him. Late bloomer, you know, give us a little uh, insight into the Henrik Lundqvist before he became the king when he was a pawn. Talk about the king as a pawn before he stepped onto the throne. I was with the Dallas Stars and uh, we, we, were, we were scouting. We, uh, we really, really, really liked Lundqvist. Joel Lundquist, <laughs> his, <laughs> his identical twin. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's the guy we really liked. And uh, ultimately, I ended up going to Calgary that year as the general manager. I, I could not, I didn't partake in the draft for the Calgary Flames. That was the deal, you know, that uh, I'd spent all the time working for the Dallas Stars. So I was embedded with the Dallas Stars on that. So, uh, you know, I, I can say we, but the Dallas Stars drafted Joel Lundquist in the third round, right? We, we spent time with Joel Lundquist and, you know, like here we are with Joel trying to, you know, get a feel for him and his family, you know, his, his twin brother is spending time with them. They're really close, right? And so at the table in Dallas, I wasn't there, but uh, this is what uh, they told me. They said they draft Joel and uh, Bob Gainey, you know, so now everything in trust. So Joel goes and sits in his Dallas Stars jersey, sits right next to his twin brother, Henrik, to see if he's going to be drafted. Sitting up there. So Bob Gainey, uh, I guess after the fourth round, he goes, why don't we draft, uh, why don't we draft Joel's brother? Nah, 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 we didn't. I mean, there wasn't a lot of love for Henrik, right? And Bob goes, oh, okay. So gets to the sixth round. Bob says, I'm, I'm looking right at this. I'm watching Joel and I'm watching the brother. This would be a pretty good story. Sixth round. Who are we getting out of the sixth round that's going to be really? He goes, why don't we just drive? What a great story. We got the twins. Ah, well, the guys go, nah, no, anything. So he convinces them that if he's there in the seventh round, I'm drafting him. <laughs> Which isn't Bob, right? Well, the Rangers drafted uh, Henrik, I think, just ahead of the uh, Dallas Stars. And, uh, you know, Krista Rockstrom, a, a real dear friend who works for the Montreal Canadiens, worked for the Red Wings, instrumental. Instrumental with the Federoff, Lichstrom draft back in, in, in that day. He was an uh, unbelievable uh, European scout. He, he said to me after, he goes, he goes yeah, we, we thought for sure Dallas would take him. And then you guys weren't taking him. And we're going... Oh, they took his brother and they don't like the other one. And finally, we just said, what the heck? We'll just take him in the seventh round. He goes, we weren't crazy about him either. <laughs> At least they're honest. Well, At least they're honest, right? Steve, like, you know what? Like the, the guys that are in it know it. Like if you want to kid yourself and go back and forth and everything. And, you know, the bottom line is Henrik Lundqvist was the seventh round draft pick. 
He was the seventh round draft pick. Yeah. And at that point, you're just throwing darts at the dartboard. Um, and, and obviously in hindsight, you would have taken him in the sixth round <laughs> and Ken Holland said before on the Zetterberg in the third round. <laughs> well, no, uh, I mean, in the first round, I mean, uh, Joe Pavelski would have gone on, higher, right? On, on second thought, uh, we would like, uh, uh, we, we called out the wrong Lundquist in the third round. We, we met Henrik. <laughs> that's right. It's like the Leafs. They said we meant Sackick, not Sackle. Oh, that's one of the <laughs> jokes about drafting and everything else. So, oh, yeah. um, so good, so talented. You know, I'm happy that he won the Olympic gold. He was great. That was a great 06 final. It's kind of interesting. We've had Canada, USA, uh, Russia, Czech Republic at the time, uh, and Finland, Sweden. It's kind of almost like a, a, a fairy tale as far as best yeah. on best hockey is concerned. And, and then I, the Rangers were never there like they were he would have had to i don't know patrick wah like they were really good but were they gonna beat the kings you know what i mean like they they had a chance i never thought the rangers were gonna win the cup in the the 2015 fort like in that era they were really really good hey listen he was the least of their concerns he was great and i know the cup just gives you everything like you've got one like every time we meet say hi i'm craig button stanley cup champion i know what it's like <laughs> I, I know people that walk around, they got two cups tattooed on their forehead. Oh, is this, uh, is this obtrusive? Yes, it's obtrusive. I know you. So I get it. Hey, if I won the cup, I'd change my name to Stanley Cup Coolies. I get it. It's great. I just, that's all that's missing, but that's a big all, right? And it's not his fault. He's a Hall of Famer. He's, you know, and then we start to categorize him. Is it Wabrodeur? Is it Belfour? Is it, is it Hashik? Is that Glenn Hall? You know how I feel about Terry Sawchuk. And I know what other fans say, does it matter? That's what we do. That's what we do. We try to categorize Mr. Button. Listen, Henrik Lundqvist was a great goalie. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. So is he eighth? Is he 13th? Is he sixth? Is he not? I don't know. All I know, he was a great goaltender. Uh, went to the Stanley Cup final, ultimately losing to the LA Kings, a, a real, real strong LA Kings team. But here's the way I, I look at Henrik. Every night he got in the net, Every single night he got into the net, you felt that your team had a chance to win. You, you, if you're an opponent, you felt this was going to be a real challenge to beat Henrik Lundqvist. You know, to me, that's greatness. That, to me, is, is what defines greatness. Dominic Hoshik won a Stanley Cup in 2002 with the Detroit Red Wings. I would argue that he was, I mean, and he was a great goaltender. And we know what he did. He was, he was not only the dominator, he was the intimidator. And, but, but that was... When Dominic won in 02, I mean, you'd have to say he was well past his prime. He wasn't in his prime any longer. But Chris Osgood won two Stanley Cups in 1998 and 2008. And people say, oh, he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. And then we say, Henrik Lundqvist, oh, does he go, oh, he didn't win a cup. Like, what argument are you going to go with? So, like, you know what? I'd love to say, okay, you're, you're in the Hall of Fame or you're one of the greatest if you have all this, right? Bottom line is, goaltenders have different levels of abilities. I'm certainly not putting Chris Osgood in the category of Dominic Hoshik or Henrik Lundqvist, but because Henrik Lundqvist didn't win a Stanley Cup or Curtis Joseph didn't win a Stanley Cup, doesn't mean that when you went into a game against those guys, you, you, you weren't on notice. It was going to be a battle to score on them. We lost in the 1997 Stanley Cup playoffs first round of the Edmonton Oilers. Dave Reed, Dave Reed said, I've never been part of a four out of seven playoff series where you win five games and you lose four of them. <laughs> because that's Curtis Joseph absolutely beat us. He, he absolutely beat us. 
It was unbelievable what, what he did. That's what Curtis Joseph was capable of doing. He got your attention. Henrik Lundqvist, great goaltender. And as you would say, he did it on a broad way. I don't do it as well as you. <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw the King, it was in October 20 or 2005. He and Kevin Weeks. Weeks was really the number one. Uh, Lundquist was the number two we were on. So back then it would have been the score, I guess, uh, HHT as we rebranded the show and we were on, whether it was you or Le whatever it was. And I remember in a discussion we had Strack might've been there. Uh, we know that because when we went out, uh, he forgot his wallet again, but that's another story for another day. And I said, by Halloween, Henrik Lundquist will be the number one goalie of the New York Rangers. Nothing against Kevin Weeks. You could just see the 23-year-old and, you know, it's like, where did he come from? Then you do the seventh round pick. What happened? Where was he? And it just shows you kids. So at 23, he was ready. You know, Bobby Orr was ready at 16, maybe 14. And, and McDavid was ready at 18 and different. So the King was ready at 23. Remember, you decide when the green tomato turns red and the tomato was turning and then was ripe and red for Halloween 05. And he never looked back and he was juicy and delicious. What the team does isn't his fault. He can only worry about himself. And he had himself a hall of fame career. And that's what I remember about when you go, wow. And guess what? The Rangers get to go from Lundquist to Shesterkin. Oh. oh my God. They're set. They're set for two generations. Well, they are right. And, and, and just as you say that too, you know, each player's development path is different and we'd all like them to all get there sooner rather than later. They all don't. The other thing I'm going to say, and we all have to remind ourselves of it, just because we say that Henrik Lundqvist is better than Kevin Weeks, we don't have to say nothing against Kevin Weeks. We all do that. We do that, Steve. We, we do this all the time. Oh, nothing against him. No, nothing. No, there isn't anything. Henrik's better than you. <laughs> Why do we always have to apologize for, for saying somebody's better? You know what? The bottom line is Henrik's better than Kevin and he showed it. There's nothing, yeah. We don't have to apologize for saying it. Yeah. We don't and apologize. Kevin, Kevin acknowledged don't apologize. it too. Don't yeah. apologize. He acknowledged it too. And he kind of probably thought, coolie Halloween. You, that's a compliment to me. I thought it was going to be by the middle of October. Yeah, so exactly. Or, or Kevin might've said, Hey, listen, I'm hanging by a thread. Now I'm just saying we, when we describe things, we always go, Oh, well, you know, what a wonderful, like, you know, like when I talk about uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, and I talk about Chuck Fletcher. I really like Chuck Fletcher. I, I know Chuck really well. I've known him for a long time. I, I, I like him. I like, but like, this has nothing to do with Chuck the person. This has nothing to do with Chuck and, and, as a gentleman or as somebody that's done a lot of different things in the game. This has absolutely to do with what he's doing now and the job as GM. And I'm not going to make any apologies for it. I'm not going to say, yeah, but, yeah, but you're the GM and your job as the GM is to build a team that can be competitive. And he's failed. Well said, my friend. Uh, Friday night, Henrik Lundqvist night. Um, in just a bit, we'll talk about another sweater that's going to the Raptors and another player that's connected to our good friend, Mr. Craig Button. All right, time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. All right, Craig, the Portuguese gambler. How are you going to pad your stats this week? Hey, I, I took the Caps over the Golden Knights on Monday. I was wrong. I lost there. So, yeah, Leonard, yeah there you Leonard. go. Leonard. Yeah, yeah, Leonard was good. Well, I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm, I'm taking the Hurricanes. You can give me minus three on the Hurricanes. I'm taking them over the Senators 
there'll be nobody in the building. So unless you're tuning in, you're not going to see the game. I'm taking the Penguins over the Kraken. You think that's easy? I thought there'd be a Brandon Tanner return, but that's another one with the Kraken just have no chance. And the Columbus Blue Jackets blown out 6-0 by the Flames on Wednesday night. They're going to get beat by another four or five goals by the Rangers. I hope those are Patrick Stefan empty netters. Oh, why didn't you take Tampa over the Devils while you were at it and just do a whole bunch of tap in Chris Kreider to the side of the net? All right, so Craig's giving you the the so-called empty netters. Uh, Vegas, Florida. Vegas continues the road trip. I'm taking Florida at home. They will win the hockey game. I'm taking Florida to win the hockey game straight up on the money line. I'm scared of the puck line. I know that you're looking at that. Uh, good for Calgary. It's been a good run, but back-to-backs, Markstrom can't go again. So going to take St. Louis at home. And if Bennington does play, he needs to be better. He does. His save percentage at 901, folks. That's terrible. And Edmonton, here come the Oilers. Do, 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 do. They're... They're, they're marching in like Bum Phillips is a Houston Oilers back in the day. Edmonton Oilers. Two in a row they saved their season. I like the Oilers. Craig? I'm taking Vegas minus 1.5 on the puck line in Florida. Head-to-head, baby. We'll go head-to-head in that one. I'll take both. The money line and the puck line so I can uh, – enjoy that game even more with a glass of red wine tonight uh check out all the nhl odds props and totals at sia.com that's sia.com and sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet sports interaction is canada sportsbook mr craig button when i say sergey zuba <laughs> what do you say hang on mark osborne told me once he was on the ice in new york it was zubov Alexei Kovalev against three, what he called Mark Osborne's. They played three on three, which was really three on two. They never touched the puck. <laughs> they, they never touched the puck. Uh, that's Ozzy's words. He thinks Kovalev could have been you know, like, you know, one of those. But we're not talking about Kovalev. We're talking about Sergei Zubov. Um, I forgot about the little cup of coffee in Pittsburgh. But Rangers to Dallas. How did it all come about? And what's he like? Like, that's a guy I say to myself, I've never talked to him. I, I, I can't even hear his voice. You know, when you can't even hear someone's voice, most players, we can, I, I don't know much about him. I'll hear him speak when the number goes up. So what can you tell us about Sergei Zubov and what some would say would be a guy that they forgot about or maybe was underrated unless you were in uh, the NHL at that time? Tell us for the youngsters out there. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, Sergey Zuboff, a little trivia, Steve, and I think you're going to get the. I think you're going to get the answer. There's only been two defensemen that have led their team in regular season scoring when that team went on to win the Stanley Cup. Name them. Well, off the top of my head, I wonder if Leach did in '93, '94. Oh, you don't know the answer. Hang on. So Zuboff led his team in scoring. Okay, so modern era, modern era, any era. Bobby Orr, Bobby Orr and Sergey Zubov. It wasn't okay. Brian Leach. Okay, yeah, I think Messier led the team in scoring that year. So no, he um, didn't. He, he Sergey Zubov led the team in regular season scoring. There's only two defensemen in the history of the NHL that have led their team in regular season scoring in the same season they won the Stanley Cup. Bobby Orr and Sergey Zubov. The only two. Not Mark Messier, not Brian Leach. I like that. This I was like a throwaway answer. I can't believe you didn't come up with it. I mean, we're talking about Sergey Zubov. Bobby Orr's obvious. I got to tell you, I'm disappointed. 
you led like you rarely leave me disappointed. You know, earlier in the year when you were playing for the uh, Toronto uh, Barleys or the Brooklyn Barleys and you weren't scoring, I was disappointed for you. And like I'm thinking, like Steve, Steve, Steve's not scoring. Could it be the end? Could it signal the end for Steve? But this one, I'm shocked. You, you, you shocked me. What do you say for yourself? Gretzky made a bad pass. Uh, <laughs> I, I fixed the scoring issues. I got a new stick and I had a hat trick. I've scored uh, on a bit of a roll. But you're right. Bobby Orr was an easy one. And we're talking Zubob. And if there's two, the other has to be Zubob. Duh. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. All, all that being said. So, I mean, what, what I would say about Sarah, I would describe it in this way. Quiet. Excellent. I mean, it was just, it was, it was unbelievable how efficient he was. He was a great competitor. You might not have shown it like outwardly, but he, he could play defense. He could play offense. There wasn't anything he could do. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you two real quick stories about series. So we're looking, you know, we traded Larry Murphy, <laughs> Minnesota North stars, Minnesota North stars. We traded, we traded Larry Murphy. Okay. And, uh, Larry Murphy told me at the beginning of training camp, Bob Clark could become our GM. He says, I'm going to be traded. I said, what do you mean you're going to be traded? He goes, Bob Clark hates me. He goes, I'm going to be traded. He goes, he's never liked me. I said, really? Oh, okay. Well, well guess what? Bob Clark traded him. I saw Murphy in Pittsburgh later on that year. And he goes, I told you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> believe it or not. Okay. So Larry was a great defenseman. And we had a conference call about a month after we traded Larry Murphy. We were looking for a right shot defenseman that could help us offensively. <laughs> so this leads into the zoom off. Anyway, Brian Bellows said to me uh, later on that year, he goes, we used to get the pass on our sticks. Now we get them off our butts. <laughs> you know, what, why did we trade Murphy anyway? So now we're searching for that ever elusive right shot defenseman. We traded for Kevin Hatch from Washington, Mark Tenorti. So it, it was a trade that we were excited about that didn't turn out as well as it did. We felt that like Darian was, was our guy and, you know, because being the younger brother of Kevin, it was hard for him to assert himself. So, you know, we, we looked to trade. Well, all of a sudden now we see Sergey Zubov. Maybe they're not happy with him in Pittsburgh. So we start examining it. Right. Anyway, we get, we went through a long, like, you know, you get, you get a lot of input back and forth and everything. I'll never forget it. 1996 world cup. Bob Danny said he's assistant manager with Canada. He says he goes there. He said, Messier grabs him right off the bat. He goes, Bob, you're going to love this Zubok. He's unbelievable. Great competitor. Great on the ice. Makes everybody better. Because you just got yourselves a hell of a player. Wow. That's Messier telling Bob. Like, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, there's real credibility there. Anyway, that same year, we're in an exhibition game. And Madonna says to me after a game, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, I'm breaking through the middle. You know how you break through the middle? And, Steve, I know you're always breaking through the middle. You got that Madonna-esque kind of sweater flapping in the wind, you know. I know. I, I, I've seen video of you. Anyway, he, he's going through, and he says, yeah, I'm just kind of going through. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. He says, the puck goes right off my stick. I, he said, oh, my God. He said, I never missed a pass from Zuboff again. He said, I, I said, this guy was unbelievable. And he controlled the game. He controlled the game and he just played. You know, when, when, when you hear about just playing, you, you can play him against any player in the game. You can play him against the other team's biggest, best player. You can play him on penalty kill. You can play him on the puck. It didn't matter where you put Sergey on the ice. He controlled the game. And he met every single challenge. He was a brilliant player. Bob Ganey, this is Bob Ganey again. I'll finish with this. 
Bob Ganey said to me, of the defensemen that he's been around regularly in his life, players he played with, not played against, players he played with, players that he coached, players that he managed, he said Zuboff is amongst the very best. And I, I, I'm like, hmm, that's a pretty big statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I remember a few different things about him. I think he's the first that you just think, you know, you know, going back to the mid nineties or, you know, early nineties where when the puck would come back to the point, and remember we were like 60, 60, 60, 10, 10 then, or, you know, 58. So that's the zone. Now it's 75 folks. Just when you think 64 from the blue line, he would have his feet outside the blue line and the puck just right on the line. And you almost think, ah, that's brilliant. Like that's because he get, and that's the big difference between a guy slashing your stick and going on a breakaway and I thought, and then I'm thinking he's passing to, you know, Messier off the post. No, it's the Graves in front. And you're like, was that an optical illusion? No, <laughs> no, no, that's what you're saying. And you just go, when you go wow enough times, if he, and then I've also learned over hockey times, the players know. Like when Nick Lidstrom says the Samuelson guy in Sweden can play and Ken Holland says, okay, I'm going to trust Nick. When Messier is going to Bob Ganey, when you know Medano's going to to you and to you know Hitch and everybody, that's no offense to everyone else, but the players know they know when they go out of you know they're practicing for the start of the year in August and they're like, This guy's terrible, he's got a five year deal, or you don't have a contract yet? Oh, huh. And then they know, like, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the players all the time. They they know. I don't think they ever get fooled. Like we're on the ice with these guys. They know, they know. I remember somebody saying this 16 year old Lindros, is that what they're calling him? Oh my God. Oh my God. Like they know. And I'm just using the era of, of the stories that you tell the same thing they said about McDavid, but good for Zubov. And you know what? It also just tells me about like the skill, the will, the, the hockey sense. It, it starts with the skill. Like if you want to juggle, if you can juggle three and four, like you can wow somebody. Then if you love it and you do it every day and you're smart, like that's what turns somebody into, and that's why no, that's why it's special, Craig, or everybody would be special. We all get a ribbon, but we don't. And uh, I'm glad to hear the Sergei Zubov stories and somebody that we kind of forgot about a little bit other than seeing him at the World Juniors or behind the Russian bench uh, when we've seen him there too. So kudos to him and some of the accolades that you've just given him. I think he's a good coach. I mean, for, forget about the junior team. He got thrust into a spot where he didn't really have a, a firm, uh, you know, grip on, on, on the players and with respect to knowing what they were capable of, whatnot. That's okay. But I do, I think Sergey's uh, got a chance to be a real good coach and he's a bright guy. I saw him in Red Deer and we chatted. I mean, the, the thing about Sergey is he, he let his actions speak. He just played. Honestly, when I say he just played as dependable as they come, as good as they come, and I mean, there wasn't a lot of flash to Zuboff. And I'll finish with this. Players that played against them, they all talked about it too. They go, yeah, you, Dave Reed, again, I'll go back to Dave Reed. Dave Reed said to me, he said, because I played with Zuby. He goes, and then when I was playing against him, he said, I, I, I knew what Zuby would do. He said, he still intimidated me. I would come out and I would think, and, and he kept me, he kept me at bay. <laughs> he kept me at arm's length. He goes, and I, he says, I had a pretty good idea what he would, what he could do, but he still faked me out. <laughs> 
I like that because it wasn't a surprise, but he still couldn't handle him. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and before we get to final thoughts, brought to you by our friends at Ultimate Hockey Fans, we have enough time for Daryl Sutter and what he said about Johnny Goodrow. That Johnny Goodrow could play on any team he's ever coached or played with. Uh, Johnny Goodrow's back. Remember, 99 points. He'll never do that again. Oh, the Twitter verse said a guy will never do that again. Oh, I guess they never will then because the Twitter universe said they won't. Oh my God, the Flames. You know, like I'm, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, the Flames are finishing second in the Pacific. Uh, they're going to be second. They're, they're, they're going to be better than Edmonton down the stretch. Uh, maybe they'll catch Vegas, but I'll say it. They're making the playoffs. And right now they're playing wow hockey. Good Roka, Chuck, and everybody else. And what happened last year? Sutter, washed up, old. What are they doing? Well, whatever. I'm, I just watched them play and see how they're still getting better. And I just want to shout out to Daryl. Now, who hired Daryl in Calgary the time they went to the final? Like, who hired... Oh, help me with that, Craig. Help me with that. that. That's the job. Listen, and I think Brad Trailer being bringing back uh, Daryl Sutter was was brilliant. Daryl Sutter's a damn good coach. I mean, he's a top notch coach. He's not just damn. He's a he's a top notch coach. And people don't know. They don't know. Daryl's not. Daryl's like Sergei Zubov. He doesn't. He, he doesn't need to tell everybody I'm, I'm good. He's not flashy. He just goes about his business. And and you talked about Zuby, right? The players know. You don't think the players don't know when they're getting good coaching? You don't think the players don't know? The players know first. The players know first. The Flames are coming off of three below average at best coaches. Average at best coaches. Glenn Gullitson, Bill Peters, and Jeff Ward. At best average coaches. So think about Johnny Goudreau getting all those points, Monaghan scoring 20-plus goals, all like, you know, the back and forth, 50 wins one year. You know, that was with average coaching at best. Now they get Daryl Sutter in there and Daryl Sutter comes in and now they go, Whoa, this is what it's about. This is about the level we got to be at. Right. And so everybody wants to define, Oh, Johnny Goudreau isn't a Daryl Sutter player. Oh, really? Oh, really? So you're telling me Daryl Sutter doesn't like good players that are competitive. Really? Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like you, you can't have a team full of Johnny Goudreau's, but don't start trying to, don't try to talk about Daryl Sutter like you know what he is when you have absolutely no clue. I live in Calgary. I read about it. The people have no idea. And people around the league have no idea what a top-notch coach Daryl Sutter is. Just watch his team play and watch a different play. And they know. They know they're getting top-notch coaching. And Daryl knows good players. And he knows Johnny Goudreau is one of the best. Watch that storyline unfold, folks. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be a jam-packed February, March, and April. It's going to be so much fun for us and give us a lot of things to talk about. Time now for final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. Not a person or a group of people. It's a product, a must for every hockey basement. For more information or our discount, ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod. Check it out and order today, Mr. Button. I'm close to making a decision because I saw our buddy Paul, who's putting it together, put together one of the fans that had the cool button pod. And I just said to him, just hang on a second. I'm not sure if I want to go with the cool button pod or I want to go with that Team Canada theme. And the fact that we said before, you can kind of make anything. Would you make a Minnesota North Star fan? Maybe for all your, the room you're in now, you could do a Stars, you could do a, I mean, Minnesota, a Dallas Stars. What would you do given a choice? Well, what I would do is, is I mean, there's so many ways I could, I'd go Dallas Stars. I mean, we we took a team down to Dallas. Obviously, it disappointed the Minnesota fans, but we built hockey. We built a champion uh, team in uh, Dallas, and you know, in a great market, a great passionate fan base. Uh, it would be something like, 
you know, I would send it to all my Buffalo friends. Uh, the Buffalo. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I, maybe I would do, maybe I would do, maybe I'd ask Paul to do this for, for, for my Buffalo fans, my Buffalo friends. I, I could do the, the Brett Hall goal, right? I could, I could do the, 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 the wide coin right, toss, the coin toss and I'll do the wide right. <laughs> Cruel, cool. <laughs> opinions expressed on this program are those of the participants. <laughs> don't necessarily reflect me. Cool. Uh, I want to go back to Western New York someday. Uh, final thought for me is going to be the Edmonton Oilers. What a win against those flames. And then somehow they beat a depleted Vancouver team. I'm not saying it was a season saver. McDavid got a mini uh, piano off his back. Uh, if they would have lost the two, I would have said no way. They did win. I still think they're going to will themselves at least into a wild card spot. I don't know what it means, but at least the playoffs are better with McDavid and Dreisaitl in than out. The Oilers may be saving their season with two wins. Two wins does not a comeback make, but it, compare that, Craig, if there were two regulation losses. So they did come back and get the four points. Okay, here's where I'm going with you, my friend. Okay. Top five teams in the National Hockey League as of January 27th for Craig Button. Yes. I have four. I want you to fill in the fifth. Okay. Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, Colorado. To be announced because <laughs> Vegas, right? No, no. I, I want to see Eichel. I want to see. I think that's a, that's a potential for them. It's not about – I'm asking you to fill in the blank. I'll say like, Vegas. Those, okay, I'll say Vegas. Enough. I'll fair say enough, Vegas is enough. better than – the Rangers, the Capitals. If 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 it's not Vegas, it might be Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, that, that. <laughs> that's where you're going. You know, uh, I would just say the 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 reason I I would not agree is Pittsburgh will go through a tougher road than than Vegas will. Like Vegas's road, I'm not saying it's silver or yellow brick. Like if you're Pittsburgh, you got to play Washington or Carolina or the Rangers, and then play one of them again. And then probably Tampa or Florida. But if you're Vegas, you're going, how's Colorado doing? Oh, they're getting some trouble from the Blues. Maybe. I'm just saying maybe. Or maybe they're not. And then Vegas is going, okay, well, who do we got first? We've got the Oilers. Then we got the Flames. And then we've got Colorado. I'm just saying that that's why I would put Vegas fifth. I'm rebutting. I'm rebutting. You know, the, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning had to go through Florida and Carolina last year. Washington Capitals, when they won the cup in 2018, they had a pretty hard road, right? The Vegas Gold Knights, the last two years, had a pretty easy road, or so we thought. Where did they get? Oh, they were going to demolish the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, they get Colorado. They get called the, the, the Vancouver Canucks are up three games to one. They got to go to game seven. Don't tell me the Vegas Gold Knights have an easy path, and that's a reason. The good teams find a way to beat whoever they got to beat. The Vegas Golden Knights haven't done it yet for me. Maybe Eichel makes a difference. That's why they need to show me. Maybe they should move to Missouri, the show me state. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. Episode 34, which was also about 56 and 30. It's always special when those sweaters go to the Raptors. For producer Bruce Bolton, Mr. Craig Button, I'm Steve Cooley's. Until next time, 35, Tony Esposito. We miss you, Tony. We miss you. We'll talk to you then.